Want to travel with new friends from around the world? This is Kentucky. This is social travel for 18 to 35s. And with the big social travel sale, you can save up to 25% on trips across the globe from Amsterdam to Zanzibar. So how about it, new you? Ready to make 2023 count? Visit Kentucky.com slash big travel sale. That's C-O-N-T-I-K-I.com slash big travel sale. You're listening. No, you're listening to the Buns.com podcast network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to a brand new episode of Girly Mags. This week we'll be taking you back to around 10 years ago with the October 1989 issue of Seventeen Magazine. We'll have some real talk about the cultural phenomenon of voguing, and we'll also wax poetic about our pathetic social lives, our teenage thoughts and feelings about sex, religion, love, and we'll also talk about how everything wrong in the world is probably Albano's fault anyway, so fuck it. Captain Lou Albano? (laughs) 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 my name is d mortimer and i just want you to know how much restraint it took to not sing along to that song i think bono broke everything but it's also part of the plan that it's bono's responsibility to fix everything back that's why you're on this earth like bono could be the next messiah (laughs) hopefully not he's gonna try though (laughs) i'm lauren presky actually had double booked uh, my day and had to cancel my other plans so I could be here. So shout out and apologies to Kimmy and the Little Sisters Club. Kimmy, don't forget what I told you. Crying is a weakness. So suck it the fuck up. <laughs> is it Kimmy? Did, was she, were you guys going to go to a concert by any chance? <laughs> you know, it's like the third time that I even know of. Honestly, guys, we do not spend a lot of time. I love Lauren, but we just don't hang out a lot. Third time in your life that you've canceled for a concert. Wow. Third time's a charm. Uh, does that function as your introduction, or are you going to do an introduction? Oh, I, I didn't even know. I thought I was introducing Yeah, is it you just shading me, and that's it? We'll get into shading later. Later. Uh, I'm just saying, if you guys want to hang out with Lauren, just take her to like a, something that doesn't involve I'm basically, live performance. I am, I'm, I am Oasis. Okay, well, I also have a message for the girly gang. It starts off with a little poem. Fake meat. No fake deep. More on that later when we discuss you two and why I hate them. (laughs) Girly gang, we're out here. It's your beige boy wonder, a.k.a. the Iraqi with the old Milwaukee, and I'm in your earbuds. And, like, when Prusky was said, like, we're going to do this thing on the 80s, I was like... Gay cock enough and yum. This translates literally to go shit in the ocean, but it means <laughs> fuck out of here in Yiddish. I was super hyped. I'm getting into a magazine that came out when I actually owned a TV. Cute old Manischewitz voice. Back in those days, a goily mag cost $1.75. <laughs> I could get a salva key and a 17 for $2 bill. <laughs> Takes harder than a chocolate bobcat that Bubby Berkowitz just pulled fresh from the oven. You know what the fuck going on. Let's get it, guys. <laughs> wow, how do I follow that? Considering I have nothing prepared, I have no prepared remarks. Let me look at some notes I've made while drunk in my phone. I got uh, right here just the words motion pictures. <laughs> Another one, pee pregnancy stir cocktail baby juice gotta drink. <laughs> Like life-determining events that are determined by you peeing on something. <laughs> what the fuck? Peeing on a stick. Oh, I thought you were going to say by peeing on the baby. So, like, <laughs> you find out if you get... Mine, a, mine, mine. You find out if you get a mortgage, you pee on a piece of paper, and all of a sudden the ink dries, like, in a dark room, and it's like, <laughs> you got this mortgage. I really like that idea, actually. Yeah. I'll drink it. You didn't even introduce yourself, Yeah, though. I did, didn't I? No. What's your name? My name is James Holler, a.k.a. Marilyn uh, Manspun. You know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your name? You know who I am, goddammit. All right. The year was 
October 1989. World was a very different place. I believe probably George Bush was president. I think it was Reagan. No, yeah. Reagan was going out. All right. So it is currently Pride Month in uh, North America. And on October 1st, 1989 in Denmark, for the first time, they legalized it. Same-sex relationship. Ooh. Nice, nice. Yeah, so congratulations, Denmark. What else is Denmark known for? Hamlet. Hamlet. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Not yeah. their civil union rights. <laughs> All right, let me clear my throat. <laughs> Is there one, isn't there one, wait a second, now I'm going to seem really dumb, but this is this is how we all learn, right? Yes. It's like, yes. if you think that you know everything <laughs> and you just like pretend and you, that's a form of ignorance. So I'm going to seem ignorant to most of you judgmental people, but really for my own self, I'm gaining this knowledge. The Q, an LGBTQ. I always thought it was, it's queer, right? It's queer. Yeah. Queer. What did you think it was? I thought it was like questioning. I think somebody told me uh, that. I've heard that before, I've actually. I've heard it before. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that as questioning Someone told before. me that, so yeah. there you go. I think but, that's why it's Q2, right? Maybe it's Q and Q. No, two is for two-spirited. Two-spirited. Well, right. we're going to have to add another Q. Yep. Yeah, there needs to be two Rewind! Q's. Boom. Uh, all right, let me clear my throat for this. On October 6th, <clears throat> that's when Betty Davis dies. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Davis is the fucking best. I know. Betty Davis Eyes is a really nice song, too. Mm-hmm. October 9th, Penthouse Magazine's Hebrew edition hits the newsstands. <laughs> <laughs> Penthouse and Hebrew, guys? Like, I don't have a date for this, but the Guilford Four were freed after 14 years. In the name of my father. You know, the, the movie with... Uh, In the name of my father. That yeah. one? Yeah. Was that with that? It was Daniel Day Daniel Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, there's also a movie called Not Without My Daughter. October 24th. I know that one. <laughs> See? I'm telling you. On October Crazy. 24th, American televangelist Jim Baker is sentenced to 50 years for fraud. Oh! This gets pretty dark. Yo, wait a second, though. Did he go down before or after uh, Swaggart? Who was first? I, I think Swaggart was probably first, if you don't remember him. I, I bet. Didn't happen in October. Yeah, this is October, so... Mm-hmm. Tell us. Get How dark. dark does it get, James? Get darker. Uh, oh, so much darker. He gave a woman named Jessica Hahn a $279,000 payoff to drop charges that him and another ministry member drugged and raped her. Ugh. Yeah. How much did, how much did he get in jail? Uh, 50 years for fraud. He got out after like seven or something. That's fraud. That's fucked up. That's fucked. He got out after seven? I don't know. It's a guess. You can look it up. I'm not pulling up my phone. It says something that I fully was like, yep, probably happened. (laughs) Isn't Jessica Hahn a movie star? Is that the same person? Or is it like just a normal person named uh, Jessica Hahn? Uh, but guys, on the plus side, he ran a amusement park called Heritage USA, Christian themed, which had water slides. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Amazing. I wonder what he greased up the water slides with. She's eh? an American model and actress. She frequently appeared on the Howard Stern show throughout the late 80s yeah. and into the 2000s. That's right. She was employed as a church secretary. She, no, but she, oh. Ugh. I think she was probably in like Penthouse or something like that. Like she was the famous. Hebrew one. She was like a B-list celebrity in the eighties, I think. Wow. Oh. But guys, water slides. <laughs> uh, in music, "Miss You Much" by Janet Jackson just yes. dominated the charts. Yep. Number so one good. from October seventh to twenty-eight. Uh, Crossroads, Tracy Chapman's album was out, came out, mm-hmm. which is, has "Fast Car" on it. N- Great album. Does it? Mm-hmm. No, it does. that was no, the second, second album. album. That album doesn't have any uh, singles that anyone knows on it. In fact, I think that album was dedicated to Martin Luther no. King or somebody. Is it Crossroads? Give me one reason to stay here. Give me one reason. No, dude, that's way, way at later. Cross. I'm looking at. Hold on, Cross. I believe. Oh, it was. It was the. It was the. It was the soundtrack to the Britney Spears movie. <laughs> name. Oh God. Okay, right. so this is um, definitely not the album you thought it was. Oh, it's the one that has that song. She's like, meet me at the crossroads. You <laughs> no. Wanna kill my dog? Yeah, man, I miss my uncle Charles. Y'all, he should be gone in front of his home. What he did, the boo was wrong. All right, how about this? Biz Never Sleeps by Biz Marquis, which featured, uh, you say he's just a friend. Am I right about that? Yes, you Am are I right, right about, about that? that. Yes, you are. Billy Joel's Stormfront, which featured We Didn't Start the Fire, right? Am I yes. right about that? Or did yeah. it feature yes. fucking Piano Man? No, no, you're right no, about Piano that. Piano Man was <laughs> <the> <laughs> Selena's first album came out. 
and Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails came out. So yes, it's like, it you, did. It, like, 89 mm-hmm. feels a lot like the 90s. Yes, it actually does. It slid right into you its DMs. You guys don't remember this, but, like, there was a commercial, a McDonald's commercial about the Big Mac back then, and it was, like, to all beef. Oh, no, no. Uh, it's, like, Big Mac with DLT, a quarter pounder with cheese with lay, a fish, a hamburger, a cheese, McCurry, a chicken, egg, with nuggets, tasty, golden french fries, regular, a larger size, and for breakfast, egg, with muffin, and something summer. And I totally, I don't remember the whole thing, but I swear. That was good. I'm like, who fucking was first, right? Stormfront, Marilyn Monroe. Tinga, nigga, 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 I don't know, buddy. I thought like, you were going to reveal that Trent Reznor wrote that jingle. I <laughs> think <laughs> Billy Joel fucking plagiarized a McDonald's commercial, and we came up with the list, not the song, We Didn't Start the Fire. I wonder, people, well, fact enough. check. I mean, how, yeah, clearly inspired by Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan, which kind of has the same cadence. Yes, and, and also actually REMs, right. it's the end of the world as we know it, similar. Yeah, that's actually also right. So who wrote... The, uh, the McDonald's, McDonald's jingle, R.E.M.? Guy. You think Michael <laughs> Stipe fucking was like had a hard-on for a fucking cheeseburger? You already said it was Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, in, what else happened? In movies, Black Rain was number one, which is a movie I don't remember. Directed by Ridley Scott, starring Michael Douglas. Who gives a shit? Michael Douglas blames his wife for the cancer in his jaw. Said he got it from eating her out. Oh my God, really? I that, told you that, yeah. and it could be apocryphal information. No, it's true. <laughs> just the most ridiculous fucking piece of information. <laughs> also number one in the box office, Girlie Makes Favorite, Amy Heckerling's Look Who's Talking. <laughs> what? Look Who's Talking. Amy, Amy Heckerling directed Look Who's that. Talking? Yeah. Did she direct Look Who's Talking too? I uh, don't know, but that featured Roseanne, Roseanne. and Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was in both of them, and so was uh, John, John Travolta, Travolta and Christy Alley. Alley. What the Bruce fear? Willis is so cool. <laughs> oh, shit. Was that like some kind of reincarnate... John Travolta, Christy Alley, some kind of Scientology take about how we're all Thetans, even though when we're babies. <laughs> I don't know, man. Totally. Look who's talking. It's a fucking Thetan. <laughs> all right. And TV was just dynamite in October 1989. Number one, The Cosby Show. Ouch. But number two, Roseanne. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> number three, Cheers. Yay! Yay! Sure. Up for All cheers. right. Okay. And in in uh, Pride Month, I always thought they should have a new gay bar version where it's like, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you're gay. <laughs> Why don't you open that and it'll be called Queers instead of Cheers? Ooh, That'd be amazing. That's actually right. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Cancel. Everyone, come to Queers. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna go where? Ska? Actually, it sounds like ska. I think I'd call that ska. Mighty, mighty, bare naked boss ladies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're back. We're going to be talking about relating. This is a Q&A from 17 in 1989, and it's good to know nothing much changes. In my school, everyone gets pigeonholed early, and the image sticks. In sixth grade, I got tagged as the brain. Nerd alert! Everyone thinks of me as a brainy, non-athletic, boring, nice person. By the way, boring, nice, there's a hyphen in between them. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. So that's boring how nice. I've been treated ever since. Now I'm 16 and I really hate being known as smarty, brain, miss know-it-all, and so on. Mom says it's a compliment, but she doesn't understand. I laugh it off, but sometimes it really hurts. I even started trying to play dumb. How can I get people to overlook my smartness? And see the real me. Oh, there's the, so much wrong. The dumb me inside. I added that. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably like tell oh. her. Thinking back on high school, I had a similar problem. And I would always try and think to people, there's more to me than just a quarterback fuck god. All right? <laughs> I'm also an incredibly talented singer. Very good at math. Just pretend you're dumb. Like, I'll totally teach her how to do that. She was doing that, but it didn't work because people know who you are. Once they labeled you, I mean, they say, you know, you are who you are. In high school, I was the comic. Like, and I got along with everybody, and I was the funny person. What happened? I didn't have any problem being found funny. (laughs) <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I was known as that weird girl who was socially awkward and stuck gum in that other girl's hair. Yes. Stoner. 
<laughs> nothing changes, dude. Nothing sure. changes. I was known as a W word, which I will not say out loud. I know what word you're saying. Though. I know what you're talking but about. But the kind of person heavily featured in a movie, let's say, called She's All That. No, I think maybe more so that can't hardly wait. Which is pretty the pretty fly for a white guy? Can't hardly what is wait. More about you? Can't, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't hardly, hardly wait. wait. Seth Green in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Yo, I must have died and gone to heaven because I see an angel sitting right in front of me. The big difference between me and him was he was with a bunch of other white guys and I was the only white audience, guy. Audience, audience. Are you, you guys up. listening to this? Are you seeing how my young counterparts are veering into subject matter of the nineties? <laughs> yeah. Are we? Yeah, you guys are talking about can hardly wait and fucking. Shit I like had that. to find. Fine. What if people don't know what the W word is? I had to find I'm illustrative means for saying tough. without saying it. Let's just agree not to say that phrase. That's ever fine. Again. Oh, we can talk about whatever we, we want. We can talk briefly Max, that it's right? insane and incredibly problematic that that yeah. word was just thrown around really casually yes. without any yeah. thought whatsoever. Yeah, yeah it's but you like people would say it. And you would know exactly what word they wanted to be using, and like we're just well, it's throwing w- a different word it's, in. It's a it's a smush it's of also two like words. I know word, one of them I won't say. Wait. So let's move along to something yeah. a bit more sunny in high so, school. So, uh, but uh, the the whole thing that they're talking about mess. here is, which is actually good advice, is that saying that your gift you have to ex- acknowledge and accept your gift of intelligence. Remember that being called a brain only defines one aspect of you, which is something that nobody does in high school you're labeled as one person in fact you're labeled as a human being throughout your entire life usually is one thing but that is really unrealistic i think if you're a brain though like no one really you like you internalize that more than anyone like notices that about you yeah you could easily get out of that lane in like a stop putting your hand up in class (laughs) stop reminding your teacher that she hasn't given out homework yet yeah you i got another word for you rather than brain Fucking nerd. Hey, that's <laughs> oh my all. God. That, that's was all. Said, that was said with such venom. The thing is, is like the, the best advice you could give to someone like that, though, is that you're going to be in the fucking fast lane and you are going to be really like the person that people other people want to be at their fucking high school reunion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at how, listen to how popular we are. Yeah. Look, like but- high school <laughs> seems like an eternity. But it's actually, especially with OEC gone, oh, that might regionalize me. But uh, it's it's really that was the fifth I'm, year of high school that yeah. Ontario had for a short period. Of I time. sneeze and four years goes by now, and now it's like in the back then it seemed like it took forever. So if you if if you want to be a brain and do well, the rest of your life is much longer in high school. Yeah. But people, that's what I was saying is that they don't actually teach us things in high school that they should be teaching us that will allow us to succeed in life. And yeah. one of them is. A, potentially you know mindfulness and t- and being and not giving a shit about what people think about yeah. you like, i wonder what the percentage of like woke teachers is now like in in when my high school it was like two percent probably there was like a couple teachers in there that were like kind of presented things in like a little bit of a way where that made you think and like empowered you like, yes listen, yeah like, who are those actually... teachers fucking robin williams come on guys tear up your books stand up on your desks Mrs. Cohen, my favorite teacher ever. I went to a alternative school for my last year, and all of them yeah. were wonderful human beings, and they changed my life. I Thanks. don't think I had any teacher that changed my life when I was younger. I went to an all-girls school, so I don't know. And if, Catholic. And Catholic, so I don't know if maybe that was a thing. I you- had a field trip in last year of Catholic school where they took us downtown. Have I told this story before? And no. uh, they took us downtown to this mission Sorry, where... <laughs> We, we, we sat in a room, and we're all, like, uh, a cloistered Catholic school kids. with a, And they took us in a room in this shelter with this former gay prostitute who told us about his life as a gay prostitute. And then he took us around and pointed out bars, like, that's where the boy prostitutes hang out. That's where you can pick up boy prostitutes. Are you serious? Just sounded like advertising for a lifestyle. Like, if I was a different person, Wait, I would have been like, Didn't you go to a Catholic high school? Yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to scare us about the big wide shit. world. And they were trying to scare him, but really <laughs> but they were educating him. Like, Yo, you mean I can make money doing this shit? <laughs> but that's crazy. They were actually showing you what you the actual life is. You ever heard of scared gay? <laughs> oh <my laughs> Opposite of scared straight. That's pretty nuts. Like, I've... The best we got was we went, went to like the uh, the convent that was on our school property and like learned shit from a bunch of nuns. You can learn similar things. I feel like yeah. I'm going to a nun's cottage next weekend. The nuns were like like kinda... a person name a nun. 
no, my aunt's a nun, and we're all going to stay at their cottage. Like, the nuns have cleared out, but we're all, my family's going to stay there. It's going to be. The nuns have cleared out. It's going to be boring (laughs) as fuck. Hey, guess what's not, there's not at a nun's cottage. A lot of fun things to do. (laughs) Why don't you tell her about your gay prostitute experience and see how she feels? I'm bringing a lot of beers and a lot of awkward conversations. (laughs) It's like the tagline for queers. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> guys, so, you know, a lot of things have been pretty serious lately in the Girly Mags universe, and we're not just fucking stoners who only have a good time around here, but <laughs> uh, there's a big butt here, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so, like, I just was, like, I was requisitioned to do this. I really hate doing any work for this podcast. Like, I like to just come and just be like, I like we to know. I hate, <laughs> I hate doing it. These guys hate me for it. They like me for other things, which is I try to keep my, my keep the energy up and try to do things as good as I can when someone asks me to do it. But I was really hoping not to get this assignment from Prusky <laughs> and James and D, but it just came straight from Prusky's text i think he was on that group i was too you can you can you can just edit all this out but anyway so this uh, this is going to be an essay slash and and i know because things have been so serious i don't want to make it only an essay i want to also include a drinking game portion for the people (laughs) at home so what's going to happen is the essay is called why i hate you too (laughs) and you know, coming, doing all this research, I realized there's a lot of sucky things about you too. So <laughs> I thought we should play a drinking game with the folks at home for the next segment. So every time something comes up about you two being sucky, you have to take a drink. So those of you who are minors, you can play this game with the rare Fanta of your choice. <laughs> I'd like to start off with the suckiest thing about you two which is a combination of fake deepness with a religious tinge, which is kind of a recipe for barfing, (laughs) the same way akin to chugging equal parts Kahlua and banana medicine from the 80s. (laughs) All you Generation Xers will fucking get that shit because that shit was gross. You guys probably have a, a pill for that shit now. So one of the best things about fake deepness is that you can get famous for like saying no to bundles and bundles and bundles of cash which is you two back then you two said no to money once they said no complete this sentence true or false did you two say no to 23 million dollars from toyota for a placement of their song, Where the Streets Have No Name. You just told us they did. You know what it is? Toyota is the number one car of ISIS. <laughs> I swear to God, they like all oh, they fucking flex with ISIS. Oh, with man. ISIS Toyotas. really sold out in a way you two didn't. <laughs> ISIS agreed to have their song covered in a, U- uh, a Toyota commercial. Imagine this car commercial, guys, because it never existed because you two are fucking martyrs for capitalism, okay? It's like you're driving a Toyota in some unknown 3D universe or whatever the fuck, and where the streets have no name. <laughs> I, playing. I, I heard that song the other day. Oh. It's, that's, it's like He was clearly going through a huge fucking Bruce Springsteen phase during that song. Well, yeah, but that was their whole thing. They were embracing Americana during... Like, their first, like, three to four albums were, like, sort of their roots of Hunk and Joy Division and all that shit. And then, like... You mean the good albums? They had... But they had a crazy time. They actually just went to New York for two weeks, and they fucking blew shit up crazy. They had the most, like, miraculous time to the point where, overnight, they came back, and they were, like, huge in America. A lot of British bands, and this is, like, a small town in Ireland where they are from... They fucking hit it crazy. Like, imagine that over two weeks. You know what I mean? So 
that was kind of big. Following that, they like just became obsessed with like Americana and Elvis and all that. And shit. becoming the biggest band in the world. Even though I know that they have quality albums, like and quality singles in Let's their discography. Like I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying I am a fan. I recognize as a fan of music and a musician and someone who's dedicated their life to loving music that they have quality shit in their discography. It's like the boyfriend who fucking, when you guys started dating, he was just like eating your fucking ass and just like mad about the pussy. And then for fucking like a month, basically. And then after a month, he was like, wouldn't even kiss you, basically. Mad about the pussy. I love that Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt show. Let's take each other's hand as we jump into the battle frontier. Mad about the they said they turned down $23 million that Toyota offered them to use Where the Streets Have No Name in a commercial. They turned it down. But then again, later on, they fucking play the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they made a musical called Turn Off the Dark about Spider-Man. They wrote all the music for yeah. the Spider-Man musical. So, like, the whole point of all of this fucking Animal House madness here <laughs> is that there was no Where the Streets Have No Name because... You too have a lot of integrity. They are capitalist social justice warriors in 1989. Fast forward the VCR to Betamax. When? <laughs> 1996 no. for discotech. 2004. No, no, no. The discotheque shit was legit. It was like experimental. Lemo. It was, it was them trying whatever. to like embrace like the electronic music that was Just going doing on. Just different England shit. The what yeah. are they going to do? The same fucking album every year. The thing that made them not in, or into like they that weakened their their warrior soul, as it were, was 2004. The commercial for the yeah. iPhone. The, I still the Apple U2 partnership red What did iPhone. they do? That's right, the black. Oh, yo, oh that was, that's right. I remember that. Yo, money from yo. the sales that went to fight AIDS in Africa. Yeah. Ah, which brings up something I'd like to say about Bono. I heard, I heard that Bono was once at a performance, and I think it had to do with the ch- Save the Children from AIDS, and he started clapping like this. Every time I clap, a child dies of AIDS. And someone yelled out, stop clapping. <laughs> <laughs> he also, another Bono rumor, he, there's that rumor that he had his hat, his favorite hat. He was wearing that out. cowboy hat all the time back then. And he had it flown first class to his next gig because he couldn't perform without his hat. Can you yep. imagine sitting across the plane from a cowboy hat? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have its meal? <laughs> I feel like the weight of the cowboy hats like literally tipped the scale of coolness for you too. Like they began as like a cool influence like punk band maybe. Maybe they weren't cool, but they were influenced they by cool They got ambitious. Shit. I think ambition to be the biggest band in the world, which you know, they wrote they wrote like they wanted to write big hits that everyone would love and that's I think they are big. I think yeah. the problem here you is that you think you two are big? That's <laughs> a hot thing. I think the problem here is that there's four people at the table that don't give a goddamn shit about you two or Bono. Did you know Bono said that he's not an asshole? He wears sunglasses all the time because he has glaucoma. Oh, really? No explanation why they have to be purple, though. <laughs> Actually, weed is a very awesome cure for glaucoma. I Okay, just... For the sake of me not being a total hypocrite, I have seen them live twice. (laughs) (laughs) It comes out! The truth comes out! Yeah, I've seen them live twice. Yeah. I will say this about you, too. I'm I'm not a... Like, I I don't ever want to see... Which two of us? (laughs) Um, I... They put on... A decent show for the amount of money they sell their tickets for. Um, they spend a lot of money on their audio visual shit. Yeah. Maybe like a gold necklace at the end. What the fuck? No. The tickets are like three hundred dollars. No, they're not. I got my I got I got my ticket for sale. Like for, like for um I got mine like at cost. So like I didn't buy off scalpers. It's the scalpers that fuck you. I've never been fucked by a scalper. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I punished myself because I was preparing for this segment. Lord knows. But I, I played U2 all night, and it's like the amount of songs that I like, you know, Where the Streets Have No Name, I don't like that song. Desires But, not. like, I like, you know, With or Without You and you all would. the hits. But the amount of shit 
fucking U2 songs I had to listen to oh, after yeah. Discotheque that they've recorded. It's looks like a deluge. Yeah. Yeah. Deluge. Hey, U2. It's 2018. I don't want to talk about U2. I want to talk about Me Too. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. That's good. Welcome back to Girly Mags. So uh, every once in a while on this show, we come across an article that really tests our patience um, and our ability to contextualize the material we're working with in terms of things like, you know, when and how it was written and um, like socially what was going on when it was written. And this particular article um, in this issue uh, is really exemplifies that for, th for us this week. Um, so the topic uh, is the brand new dance craze, voguing, um, and words really do not describe how poorly this subject matter was researched and handled and prepared um, in this article, if you can even call it that. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to go into like a very brief definition and background of voguing. It's by no means exhaustive. Um, can we briefly just address the elephant, which is the, the main feature of this? Is An Ivanka a blonde Trump white woman who looks like Ivanka yeah, Trump yeah. in various voguing poses in yeah. like huge. She's like huge. She's all over it. And then in tiny little squares on the r left hand side, there are actually photos of people of color. Yeah, uh, in the Vogue ball, but it's yeah. all this white lady. Yeah, it's very, very cishet, heteronormative, cisgendered um, appropriation of uh, this art form um yeah, it makes me feel a little bit bad to be honest it makes just look at I'm, this it kind of <laughs> makes my stomach feel bad i was just talking to lauren about it i'm gonna be very <laughs> honest i'm very nervous about this yeah. segment and how it's gonna go so i'm just i'm gonna really try i think we're all gonna really try to be um in our lane and talking about sort of what we're qualified to talk about but also do justice in a way um, that this article clearly did not, um, in terms of this, uh, in terms of this art form and it's pride month. And I kind of, you know, think this is an important segment to cover. Um, I was just going to say, and I, it, it's like, it's problematic how they presented it, mm -hmm. but it's also giving people a window into a subculture that of some somebody in a group that they might've seen as the other mm -hmm. that they now have a window into and a language that, but I don't want to necessarily get into this dialogue. Well, I mean, I, but I think that that's, I think that that would have been true if they'd even mentioned yeah. that subculture, yes. but they didn't. They didn't. Sorry, they do briefly say that voguing originated over 40 years ago in Harlem. Yeah. It only recently went mainstream early this year at the Love Ball AIDS benefit in New York. Yeah. So there's a coded language here, if you can read between the lines, that this is largely a black... Uh, in, in New York uh, phenomenon, scene. but they didn't never expressly state it at all. No, so the the ball that they're talking about, the AIDS ball that they're talking about, was I believe if if my research serves, like serves me correctly, was a ball that um, the drag culture at that time had put on, and they'd asked um, different uh, fashion houses like Chanel and I think it's Givenchy is how you mm -hmm. pronounce it, and they asked um, them to come out and donate their wares and uh, and put their faces behind this this uh, this ball that they'd done for charity work. Um, so that ball w actually was um, sort of uh, created and run by people in that culture and it, and the fashion was worn by actual drag performers. So um, so yeah, you're right to point that out, but I think for the most part, it's just very... The, the, the article is very uh, sanitized, if that's the right word, and made very palatable to a white readership. This is the audience of Seventeen Magazine. Exactly. The time. It's all... The, the, it's, uh, the language is coded. You have to dig deep to understand where the subculture comes from, and it's heavily featured is a white lady. Yeah. Um, actually, the the ball that you were just mentioning, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're going to be talking about it again. I was just uh, reading that uh, Suzanne Barch is the nightclub host who held the love ball in 1989, which was the first big AIDS fundraiser. What mm -hmm. Dee said, it was Voguing's breakthrough. Yeah. 
Uh, Barch encouraged fashion brands to act as houses and pay to compete against each mm-hmm. other. Iman and Naomi Campbell walked the runway. Madonna and Keith Haring came to watch. Yeah. And the judging panel included Debbie Harry, Malcolm McLaren, and Andre Leon Talley. God, New York used to be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically the, uh, so I think that like, you know, there is some truth to what Lauren was saying in terms of like, you know, um, presenting a, a, a culture that wouldn't normally be known by the very cisgendered, heteronormative white readership of 17 at the time. Um, but the article itself, like that would have been true if the article itself had actually even tried to mention that culture. But it just manages to take um, an art form and movement that is historically and socially speaking steeped in black and Latino queerness and not only remove any possible trace of it in the article, but also replace that queer lens with a white cishet lens in order to um, be more palatable and safe for white heteronormative readers. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're talking 1989, and this, you know, this article was published during a really, truly shameful moment in our history. It was 1989, and it really can't be overstated the role that... Uh, homophobia and transmisogyny was playing at the time in how things like this were handled by mainstream media. So you had the AIDS crisis um, really hitting its stride and, you know, a government that literally could not have given less of a fuck about the people that were dying. Complete denial by the Reagan administration of addressing it until roughly around this period. Uh, So it was ignored by the Reagan administration until uh, the first time it got brought up, there was a press secretary at the time who someone brought up the AIDS crisis, and he laughed it off like, we're not going to talk about that because that is a gay disease. Basically, was the subtext. Yeah. And it, it, was, it took years of people cajoling Reagan to finally mention there's this disease that's decimating yeah. a lot of Americans and they weren't considered their, their constituents. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we also had a problem um, back then with queer and trans people being murdered and the resulting police indifference um, and violence that these marginalized communities were being met with in terms of any sort of responsible investigating into uh, missing people, murdered people, which is still something uh, that is clearly still a problem today, especially within racially, sexually, and economically marginalized communities. One of the reasons I was very, very attracted to the ball room scene was because I saw the trans visibility immediately as I went into that scene being transgender already so I I felt like it was a world where we were exalted and appreciated and understood and loved I mean it's insane when you look at it and you and you go into it how much tragedy there is involved in these communities yeah and this celebration this exciting exuberant dance style and just like scene came out of it that's this the, 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 this expression of just resilience and joy is really inspiring when you think about it I, you know when I first started seeing it I think there was a lot of um, um, it was just mostly gay people I mean gay boys you know uh, gay men and you know um, femme queens doing it um, I, you know, when I first started coming out, it wasn't a lot of new way, old way, but it's still been persistent. I think now the scene is taking over with Vogue Femme. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. And now there are women. Women are, you know, walking a lot. And that was never the case. I mean, I remember hearing stories about even straight men doing Vogue in the early 90s and stuff like that and really taking it serious. But never women. Now it's dancers. It's everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's and I mean, do like I don't want to I don't want to come off as condescending in any way, but re- like researching this, and I highly recommend any readers who are like really digging this to go and do your own research because it's it's way more complicated than what we're going to get out of like a twenty minute segment. But it's really humbling when you think about it. When you think about um, just the the what these people were facing at the time, and you know how and how they've created their own families. And their, you know, their own, their own groups of people who love them and would miss them if they were gone and would notice if they were gone. It's incredibly you know? powerful. Yeah, it's a survival tactic. It's like Absolutely. a survival tool, um, and in a very positive one. Like in yeah. a world where there's so much n- negative survival tactics, the scene is an incredible example of something that flourished and created and is based in positivity and yeah. and and self love. 
Yeah, self, self-love, self-celebration, and also uh, like a rejection of toxic masculinity, the, the masculinity sta- standards of um, like the macho standards that people were trying to... In the ball scene, there was a big, uh, a big, cel- a big part of it that involved passing yeah. when you did balls. So uh, a part of it was you had to, if you were a femme and the theme was Realness. military... It was a big deal, like uh, that the marks were based on passing, which is like as straight. I walk realness for the House of Extravaganza, and basically that is me competing with other girls um, to see who is the most realistic um, figure that can blend in with society. I identify as female, although I am transgender. So basically, that's what the category is. You know, you, there's transgender girls going up there saying, you know, hey, I blend in with society. I'm the realest thing. I'm, you know, I'm fabulous. I can do this. And you earn your respect that way. And that's how you earn your respect in society. Right. Like what we have to grow up with, you know, and trying to blend in with our, our peers and our community. So right. to be real is something that was looked up at because, you know, it means that you weren't getting teased at. It means that you weren't talked down upon. So being real is just being the epitome of a straight person. Blending in. And blending in with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what I walk. Realness. And if this segment was getting too positive for yeah. you guys, uh, we're going to go into, I guess we're going to have to talk about the appropriation of that culture that this this uh, article represents. Yeah. I think I, I think I also want to just um, give like a very like simple definition of what voguing actually is. So at its most basic, voguing is a highly stylized form of modern dance that's heavily influenced by and evolved from African-American and Latino drag ball scene in Harlem during the 60s, but can also date back to as early as the late 18th hundreds in terms of like where it's evolved from it also borrows from the uh, model poses made famous in the pages of vogue magazine and i briefly read somewhere i didn't have time to actually go into like an appropriate amount of research into it but i also read that there are accounts of voguing originating from black gay prison inmates in rikers that's very interesting and um so i again like i haven't had enough time to the kind of research that but i thought that was really really interesting so i mean we played madonna off the top which we have to address this yeah. article only mentions one song where, where music is clearly uh, a central to a dance movement. Yeah. The only song they mentioned is a song by Malcolm McLaren. As the artist, if you're not familiar with Malcolm McLaren, uh, he was the guy, he, he, he ran a clothing shop with his wife, Vivian Westwood, who you might know is a famous fashion designer, uh, that was called Sex. Originally, they did rockabilly clothes. Then he went on to manage the... Uh, New York Dolls, and then after that, he famously went on to manage Sex Pistols. So he's, you kindly will say he's a cultural, you know, he, he feels the pay, the pulse of the culture and jumps on it. Uh, you could call him appropriator. Uh, he's certainly ambitious. And he wrote this song that's sung by two POC, probably, I'm assuming from the video, sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know their personal lives, I assume gay-identifying individuals, and it's credited as the song by Malcolm McLaren. This is the only song they mentioned in the article, as because this is before Madonna's Vogue came yeah, out. Yeah, very, very soon before, though. Like, it was released the following year, so... Which is really the only song, if you think about it, ask anyone when they think of the term Vogue, They'll go with Madonna's Vogue. Fully, people fully. who also know Madonna don't even know there's a Vogue scene. There's many people that I think yeah. when Vogue came out, and maybe even to this day, that it's just it's associated with Madonna. And I don't know if that's what she was intending to do or if she was uh, expecting to bring light to, to a culture. There's something I was reading this that said, uh, in 1990, Madonna visited uh, one of the clubs in downtown uh, New York to research the scene and that she would sit in the DJ booth of tracks and just watch. And then she ended up holding auditions for the dancers that she ultimately take on her tour. Yeah. On the blonde ambition tour. You have to really assume an angel nature uh, when it comes to appropriation of like best intentions. But this is the problem with if, (laughs) even if we assume the best intentions, this is the problem with cultural appropriation that you end up owning it. And getting all the credit for it. Yeah, and, and it's not yours. There was no famous... Fuck the credit, though, money. Me, exactly. And there were no famous Vogue musicians that you think of off the top of your hand who came up in that wake. 
So yeah. it's not like it trickled down even. I think you see a lot now um, in terms of like some of our female, uh, our popular female performers that um, very much borrow from the like the voguing art form and that movement in like in their choreography. Well, if it weren't for voguing, RuPaul's Drag Race probably wouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah, but also just like the dancing style of like Beyonce and Rihanna and like you know and um, uh, David Silver. <laughs> yes <laughs> there's a really great documentary out there called strike a pose and um and it was i think released sometime around like 2015 i think but um it's a really great do- uh, documentary that was uh directed by like two belgium directors or whatever but anyway um if you're gonna mention a documentary you have to mention paris, paris is burning, burning. That is Hold your slow your roll. Slow your roll. Strike a pose is great because it reunites the dancers that Madonna brought together for the video for Vogue and for her Blonde Ambition tour. And it's really it's really great. I highly recommend that you watch it. I really, really love Paris is Burning. I think it's like pretty unanimously um, applauded as being a great documentary in terms of like giving people an introduction to drag culture and uh, and those those communities. I have a bit of a problem because I've read that the director did not pro- appropriately compensate her cast for the emotional and physical labor of the the art form that they've created, which is not a shocker. That That's white just the story behind any documentary Absolutely. filmmaker. I'm not surprised. Documentary filmmakers don't really make any money and they expect everyone in the documentary to work for free well the film made four million dollars in box office so in at that time in like i forget when it was released but at the time 1991 so 1991 i don't know what four million dollars looks like in terms of box office um success but piles of like bills yeah and they're generally green yeah, I mean, but it's throw not a, like if you can throw a few main people that are in there like the check. And I don't and I don't want to like slam Paris is burning. It's it's wonderful, but um I I really try to be careful in terms of like centering white voices, which I don't think is something that Paris is burning actually did, but I just ha- kind of try to be a little more picky about where I'm getting my information. But Strike a Pose is really great. Paris is Burning is great. The spiritual yeah, the spiritual sequel uh to Paris is Burning is Kiki which it also had uh, was really well received. Um, so there's like a lot of there's a lot of uh, of uh, research material out there for people who want to kind of look into it. But going back to the article, I think that just it was I was just so affronted. Like it was I guess I have the privilege of being shocked and appalled. And whereas like people who are from marginalized communities like this just must be an everyday occurrence that like, you know, People this not or if you're yeah. fucking trapped in 1989 and this is like your reality of what you're seeing and how you're like you know getting the world there's not even an option to yeah. get more alternatives also you had you had pioneers of voguing and drag culture and that scene you had pioneers who were literally just dying and like and no one was caring about that you know it's just like it's really fascinating and sad and anger inducing um, researching this but you know it's I'm almost saying maybe we should like post photos but I don't want to give this any more but time it is, than it like, actually deserves it, it should be kind of like stressed that it, it's like like just the focal point of the article is wrong like yeah the visually of course like uh they just casually mention like some of the crucial issues like politically but visually when you're just presented with this article the focal point of this article is like is just like a white yeah, clearly girl like, and, and there's she's like fucking on on the that page you can like do it too hey, is what it's saying times. you can yeah. do it too you can do this hey too. sally in minnesota yeah you want to appropriate a culture well we've got it for you we've then, come up with a voguing glossary of terms yeah. so you and your other corn-fed friends can appropriate a culture exactly banji is known as the street tough look of reverse baseball caps, Nikes, and gold chains. That's Rowey. Just don't wear them to church. Overness is the quality of being able to project head to toe in individual style. Shade, which has been appropriated fully into the culture now. Backstabbing, pettiness, and trickery on the part of the ballroom competitor. And voguing is a dance form that began at the balls, combining frozen fashion model poses and transitional steps. This is from a glossary of terms they provide you... Kids at home can now, (laughs) with your little friends around the block, appropriate the style of a culture. It's just so offensive. Are we going to be the house of girly mags from now on or what? (laughs) Yeah, we're the house. No, because I'm not appropriating that culture. Exactly. If you look at what's happening now, I think it's really good is that um, 
that the voguing culture and the drag culture and the ballroom culture are there. They've got a huge influence um, on pop culture right now because of RuPaul Charles and mm -hmm. Drag Race. And it's become normalized in a great way and celebrated because and it wasn't it's not Madonna bringing in. It's not this Ivanka Trump bitch bringing in. It's yeah. someone who's been in the scene for decades. <laughs> I am in fear of the scene becoming like a bit more watered down again and we need it because I mean for me to sit here and say that I don't want it to be on TV or I don't want all those things are good for the community but I just I'm afraid that we're gonna get lost in the shuffle of like they say Hollywood and you're not gonna you're gonna lose the real true story of where it originated from. <laughs> Ryan Murphy also uh, released a show called or created a show called Pose and I think I remember being a little nervous when I heard about it just because it's like this this white dude doing uh, doing a show about black queer drag culture but he actually isn't making any money off of it he's donating all of the money oh, that he's nice. making to like trans and lgbt nice. very nice uh charities so i think there's a way to do it right and like when you have as a white person or as a person with privilege when you have the ability to amplify um voices in a way that doesn't center your own voice in that debate i guess is you know the word i would use for it but like within that that particular issue when you have the ability to not center yourself but to amplify other voices and to compensate them fairly for their emotional labor it like i think that's a really i think that's where we can have our the most that's where we can go little sally in wisconsin love vogue and all you want just make sure the money that your express goes to the people who actually create the culture exactly and not the people who appropriate the culture yeah exactly give them the check 2018 yeah. <laughs> Yo, pass me the bomb. <laughs> the boom. <laughs> All right, so you may have noticed that this is an October episode, so there's some Halloween-y business going on. We don't want to alarm any of our listeners who just came out of a coma, and the first thing they did was listen to this. God forbid we have our listeners thinking it's October now. <laughs> in 1989, in fact. Halloween in June. It's like Christmas in July, but not lame. So we've got a, a, a test called the Scream Test. Do you have what it takes to be a horror movie victim, i.e. the brains of a cucumber and the survival skills of a lemming? Take this quiz to find out. So because Dee loves murder and loves mayhem, I, I'm curious personally to see whether she'd survive. The ambition is to be stupid and get killed? That's up to you. Yeah, it's <laughs> up to you. Yeah. Is that your ambition? <laughs> I wish I were dead, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, question I one. I feel weird about laughing about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> it's only because he says it all the time. I know. Um, one of the undead is chasing you through the woods. His gait is slow and stiff-legged, and most of his brain has rotted away. But he pursues you with deliberate malice nonetheless. To escape him, you A, hide and remain quiet, which sounds like your ammo for parties. B, calm yourself and move as quickly and silently through the trees as possible. Are you a monkey? I know. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> confused. You're MVP. Yeah. Or C, keep it frantic. Aim for thickets and stumble every three steps. Take time to whimper, look back, and scream. If there is a mud hole or marsh, fall into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a combo of like A and C. <laughs> but I'm going to go with A. I'm, I think my, my, uh, you were right to point out my MO is to literally hide from people. So. It is. Walking alone through the forest on a bright moonlight night. You discover a smoking meteorite about the size of a cantaloupe. Curious, you stoop and watch as the meteorite cracks open and a fluorescent green glop of slime oozes from the center. You A, get up and run like mad, which is your M.O. Mm -hmm. 
B, back off a few yards and wait to see what happens. Or C, poke. This is something I think Rowie might do. Poke at the slime with a stick. <laughs> Hold the stick up to your face. Then watch, enthralled, as the slime flows onto your hand. And then lick the stick. <laughs> lick the stick. Ooh, free space jizz. Ugh. Um, I would run like fuck. I would run it's like I think cool I would run. It's a cool meteor with goo. I'd be like, yeah. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just back up a bit and see what happens? This could be worth the money. And then poke it or run away, depending. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay, B, B. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> On a routine mission in space, a lethal alien life form finds. Uh, it- sorry, let me interrupt for a second. Uh, uh, ooh, uh, oh, it cracks open, filled with goo. I just got myself a new fuck rock. <laughs> oh my God. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get this fuck rock joke in. <laughs> on a routine mission in space, a lethal alien life form finds its way on board your vessel and sucks the juice from your fellow crew members one by one, reducing each of them to a 59% pile of common chemicals. Making your way to an escape pod, you strap yourself in and prepare to launch from the now deadly mothership. Is this quiz <laughs> making anyone else really horny? Just <laughs> as you're about to blast off. <laughs> <laughs> Rowie, you hear the barking of your dog, a terrier mix named Fru-Fru, issuing, uh, issuing from a distant corner corridor of the craft. You A, say a quick prayer for Fru-Fru and punch the eject button. Yikes. B, resolve to get the two dogs from the pound when you return to Earth and then punch the eject button. Or C, grab a faulty flashlight and a totally useless weapon, then make your way into the dimly lit halls, calling... Fru-fru, fru <laughs> as you I, go. I have the alien suck my juices that punch the uh, jack, you late bug. Oh, jeez, <laughs> God. Someone's got a fucking alien fetish that we've just discovered. It <laughs> must be like a real, what's the term for alien fetish? Extraterrestrial file or something. Alien file? Fe- I have Extra-terrestrial no idea. Extraterrestrial You don't know that? There's tons of alien porn on Pornhub. I don't watch it, though. No. I'll look I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Technical porn. Not that illegal te- aliens, Lord. Is technical <laughs> porn technically <laughs> alien porn? porn? That's, no. like, that's no. like a gateway to alien porn. It could be underwater porn. Yeah. Technical porn is yeah. technically of this earth. If I know my Sigourney Weaver alien movies, the dog is always fucking infected. So I would away. I would probably stay away and get, just get another dog from a pound. Call. I believe what you're actually referring to is the end of the thing in which the thing in, uh, gets becomes a dog. A homicidal maniac armed with a meat cleaver has escaped from the local hospital hospital and made mincemeat of your pals up and down the block, up and down the block. He has entered your house and clumsily pursued you upstairs. Well, get you, D. <laughs> Where you have hidden, in classic D fashion, in a linen closet. <laughs> I've literally done that. <laughs> There's a dog in there with you that you're petting. You jump out of the closet and surprise him with a lead pipe to the temple. That you keep in a linen closet? You know, towels, bed sheets, our collection of lead pipes. Dee knows, <laughs> knows about the linen closet as an escape. Like, she's got, like, Pornhub queued up in the linen closet. Oh, yeah, closet. For Just sure. in case she needs to get in there. It's like, she's got some amenities. I'd rather die than go back in the closet. <laughs> he goes down with a grunt. Oh, <laughs> the meat cleaver falling by his side. You A, pick up the cleaver and hack him to bits. B, remove his mask to discover he's your long-lost brother. C, toss the lead pipe down the stairs in a gesture of finality, then collapse in a sobbing heap just two feet from the immortal maniac with your back to him. (laughs) Well, if he's going down with a grunt, I would take off his mask as a service because those things get really sweaty. And he's only got that little, like, gap in the lips to move his tongue through, so. His tongue? He's going Um, down on me. uh, (laughs) I'm a lady. (laughs) He's eating my vagina. Okay. Oh my god! I was that grape Whoa, was so grunted. low on the ground that you had to bury, like Jake, dig it up to like eat it. After this podcast recording, eats you out, and the whole time he's like, Ugh, uh, uh, uh. like <laughs> yeah, actually down, I do. He goes hmm. down with a grunt. Okay, oh, okay. all he's right. Going, like after the recording of this podcast, James is going to like download some documentaries about Area Fifty One and fucking get the guys. My rocks girlfriend off. has been out of town for two weeks. <laughs> so are you going to murder him or find out he's your long lost brother? Oh, or fully hack that bitch to bits. Hack that bitch to bits. Yeah. You heard it here, <laughs> folks. On a desert hiking trip, you and your five friends 
The most unbelievable part of that is that I would have five friends. <laughs> <laughs> On a desert hiking trip, you and five friends make camp for the night at an apparently deserted miner's shack. As darkness falls, the still air is shattered by maniac screams and sobs issuing from the nearby mine shaft. Two of your group decide to take a look outside. An hour passes without their return, so two more decide to go. You hear scuffling screams and a death rattle. <laughs> Your date for the night decides to go out and check it out and doesn't come back. Now, alone, you decide to A, remain quiet and hide somewhere in the shack until dawn. That's D. <laughs> B, gather your things, exit a rear window, and make your way stealthily from the scene. Or C, take a candle stub and only one match. And, dressed in shorts and a halter, go timidly out in the front door calling the names of any number of your dead friends. <laughs> your friends clearly stumbled across the old-timey mine fuckfest. <laughs> which everyone in the woods goes to. And you get there and they start grumbling and moaning. And if you go to check it out and you find the mind fuck fest, you don't go back, you join in the mind fuck fest. Right. So eventually people will assume she'll eventually come out with her halter top and her shorts and her candle and join in the mind fuck fest. I like where you've gone with this. So a C? <laughs> C. Because of the mind fuck fest. Also because of the halter top and short shorts. Yeah. Because I'm literally... Fucking with my fashion this That's summer. That's right, girl. Crop tops, baby. A town meeting has been called to decide what to do about a string of grisly murders committed in a local cornfield. The victims all suffered bite wounds identical in shape and size to those inflicted by a great white shark. In a cornfield? Sharknado. <laughs> I'm stumped, the sheriff says, and asks for suggestions from the townsfolk. You rise from your chair and say, A, I think we should all leave town <laughs> in classic D fashion. <laughs> B, I think we should seek outside help. Or C, if Mr. Big Bite gets near me or my little girl, Jolene, I'll close his big mouth for him for good. I say we go into that cornfield and kick some tail fin. <laughs> Sharknado style. Shark Sharknado style. I'm going to run away. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask if anybody wants to join me. <laughs> Sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. We got to get out of this land shark cornfield town. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Definitely born to run as far as like. Oh, that that's born to better. Run. Someone or something is haunting your new home. Sofa pillows are forever out of place. Your dog Fru-Fru barks from inside the TV. What? And your left hand has all but disappeared. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't know. <laughs> Think of this more. All I got is like left hand disappeared. Is this about fisting? The dog, <laughs> the dog is barking on a TV, and you've been like woke up one day and you're eating cereal and you're like, huh? You're like your hand. Your left hand is gone. And today you witness a murder that won't take place for another twenty years. Because of their fashion? <laughs> How would you know? Convinced that your home is haunted, you A, leave. <laughs> I'll just circle it now. <laughs> B, consult a wacko. <laughs> I mean, you could, <laughs> if you had any faith, you could consult a fortune teller. But like, Why just specifically going out and be like, I'll get some wacko. <laughs> Um, or C, stay and hire a wacko to come and live with you. I'll fucking live with you. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm a professional and you're presenting me as a wacko, I'm not putting in any effort towards solving this case for you. Uh, well, oh my do god! You do you well, I'm you? clearly on drugs because <laughs> that's the only way I can like explain. So you should stay. It's your home. I should stay because it's just drugs. So you're <laughs> staying and you're hiring the wacko to come and live with you. Sure, why not? Well, that's just because that's a funny. It's just a funny Fraser. Actually, I kind of need a job. It's just a funny <laughs> Kramer situation. Now you got a wacko exactly. with you. All right, the score is. Your left hand has disappeared. <laughs> your dog is barking from inside the TV. That is fucked up. Okay, we've got we've got the uh, we got the results in. It says you're way too cautious to make the big time. In fact, you should really get out of the house more often. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. No one's gonna murder you if you just sit around your house all day, dude. You don't know. I'm just like thinking, God forbid, if my right hand disappeared, what I would do. True. (laughs) 
Well, thank you for joining us for episode 25. We had some pretty awesome stuff in this app. Some crazy stuff, some real stuff, and some weird ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> actually. So, um, 89 was fucked up. 89 was crazy. I don't want to go back ever. No. Uh, so thank you for joining us. We I really like tune in forever and ever. Yeah. And never stop tuning in. Yeah. If you want to see some 90s uh, nostalgia stuff that we post that we want you to see, come and visit us at, uh, at girly.mags on Instagram. Or you can check out our tweets, which uh, I think they're getting pretty hot. There's some hot oh, tweets. Oh, we got some hot tweets going on. <laughs> um, and if you guys have any questions, <laughs> like advice, uh, ask Dr. D. Uh, tweet us or DM us on Instagram if That's you're nasty. Right. If, you if yeah. you're a weed company, please consider sponsoring us. And just say hi. I'm lonely. I'm usually the one checking the tweets. So if you <laughs> like little James, <laughs> our Twitter is uh, girly underscore mags, and our email is girlymags at buns.com. And we are going to be starting the Doctor D segment. So please send us some questions you might have. Uh, we, if you request anonymity, we will not absolutely not share your, any yeah. for personal information about you. What it's going to do is give us some awesome material. Get D, uh, get that stethoscope starting to be used that yeah. she purchased recently. Also, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm barely considered a doctor in some cultures. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Love you. Bye, guys. You. Love you. Have fun.